Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. I was joined by Derek Hannon and we talk about his expat journey from Galway, Ireland to South Korea via Australia, New Zealand and Europe. Derek tells of how he landed in Kwangju without knowing much about the country beforehand and the rather seemingly ominous task of teaching several hundred kindergartners that lay ahead in his early days. Derek explains how he got into the bar business and the integral role an expat bar plays in the city outside of the capital. We compare the red tape of setting up a business at home and abroad, you might be surprised, and finding the balance between work and play. All this and being pointed at in the street in a good way. Without further ado, Derek Hannon. Joining me today is Derek Hannon. Derek, thanks for joining me. No problem, Greg. It's good to see you again. Uh, likewise, sir. We're going to talk about your, your journey from Ireland to South Korea, so why don't I let you take it away, Derek? All right. Well... We're going back to uh, 2002 when I went over to Korea. I had been traveling around the world quite a bit. You know, I did uh, England, Germany, Australia, New Zealand, and arrived back into Ireland with really no future plan, you know. So I was working in Ireland for a good while, and a friend of mine came up with the idea of uh, taking a TEFL course and continuing the traveling around the world while teaching English. And uh, he uh, suggested Korea as a venue, considering it was the World Cup, in 2002 so we could uh, go do a year's teaching watch the world cup and you know continue on from there so uh, off we went with absolutely no idea what korea was about other than where it was on the map <laughs> i think we learned on the plane a little bit about cultural aspects whatever but uh, yeah so 2002 we arrived into korea early 2002 teaching um, kindergarten kids from age three up and, and that was the shock because neither of us had ever taught it. <laughs> we were not really programmed for that, are we? Oh, no. And, we, and it was quite a large school. It was actually split into two. So he was kind of teaching in one and I was teaching in the other. But the, um, the director, in her wisdom, decided we would be introduced to everybody at the same time. So we met like 600 kids in the first morning. <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking out of there and Richie looked at me and I looked at him and we went, what have we got ourselves into here? <laughs> right. <laughs> What's Plug B? And uh, what, yeah. what city was this actually, Derek, you were in? Uh, it was Guangzhou. So it's about the, I think it's the fifth biggest city in Korea, which is still larger than the largest city in Ireland. You know, it's more like 1.5 million people. It's down in the south, kind of inland a bit, but uh, in the, like in the south. And it's known as the kind of the rebel county, you know, the, 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 the area, it was the area where the democracy uprising first began. So, so the, so the, the, the people there are known, they're kind of like the Bavarians in Germany, you know, every, everyone in Korea knows them as slightly different, you know, <laughs> yeah. not, not bad, but slightly, I'm sure every country has, has a place like it. You know, we call Cork, the rebel county, the only place never to be taken over by the English. But uh, yeah, so we went down there and, uh, worked for a couple of years, and that's when I met David Martin and Michael Simning, who uh, wanted to open a bar because Korean bars are slightly different than Western bars. They, they don't, there's no bar, it's table service. So you, you sit down at the table, 
waitress comes over, takes your order, you eat food, you have to eat food, some kind of, you know, dried fish or whatever the basic menu was, right up to full meals. But um, they wanted a, a, a clubhouse, really, where you could, you know, hang out with foreigners and drink beers and listen to some music, because Dave, Dave was the musician in the, in the partnership. So I, I met them and, uh, long story short, became their head bartender. So the, the three of us ran the place. I ran the bar, Dave ran the music, and Mike did the handshaking, meeting people. You know, he, he was the local character. He's kind of known as the grandfather of Guangzhou. Everybody He'd been there Mike. for some time, yeah? He'd, he, he'd yeah. been around for quite a long time and had a good grasp of the language and so on. Yeah, he actually studied it in a university. I never really found out why he picked that, but he did. And he was already married when we, when we, when we got there, you know? So like I said, everybody knew Mike. Uh, unfortunately he, he died recently, not recently. It's, it's a good few years ago now, but he, he got leukemia and um, passed on. It was heartbreaking really, because he, mm. he, he was the, the center of the town. You know, he, he was the guy that everybody went to if you had a Korean issue because he had the language and he also knew all the, uh, he knew all the people. So they, we opened the bar in 2006. Sorry, they opened the bar in 2006 and I joined just after that. And um, then they decided to move on. Uh, Dave, uh, he wanted to open a restaurant, which he did. And so myself and Dave ran the bar for a little while and then he moved on as well. He went back to Canada, uh, sorry, New Zealand with his wife. Became a internet sensation making kids education content. Was it the chipmunks or what, what were it? the busy beavers or something? What was it? We are busy beavers. Right, yeah. I this is for another episode, yeah? We'll... There were loads of jokes made about that <laughs> doing Google searches. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair to him, he, uh, he's, he, he made a good go of it. He, uh, yeah, he became quite uh, well off in that aspect. But his original thing was music. And uh, what he would do is he would go up to Seoul for the weekend, go to all the clubs in Seoul, meet all the, you know, the local bands, do the, um, do the chat. Slowly but surely, started to get a a group of different bands that would make the trek, four-hour journey down to Guangzhou, with the promise of we'll pay for your hotel and you will be drunk by the end of the night. That was uh, the ba- that was the hook. And then once they came down and sort of enjoyed the crowd and went back up, word spread, and we were able to get a regular supply of bands to come down from basically all over the country after that. But um, I have to, ha- I have to hold my hand up and go, yes, it was Dave who set this ball in motion, you know, and Mike behind him. Because I couldn't talk music. Sure, you know, it's, it's a different language when musicians talk to each other. <laughs> right. How does, what kind of amp have you go, or does this thing do that thing, or I need this for that, or yeah, all of that. Technical all of that, stuff. yeah. You're just but like, I, I, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I, don't so I, I couldn't do in. that, but I, the one thing that I could do was stand in the front during the sound check and go, dude, you're too loud. You need to turn it down a little bit. You're out, you're out of whatever sync with the, with the rest of the band. And of course, you know, you know yourself. It's almost like it's our play. But he wants to be the, the loudest. At the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I mean, the, 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 the bar itself was quite small and a very low roof with wooden beams. So the, the acoustics in there were, were unbelievable. You didn't need to be at 11. Six was fine, you know. I don't know. You 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 played there. Do you you remember the acoustics? Do you remember the, the setup? I do, yeah. And I remember the stage moving from one side of the room to the other. Actually, at one point, or maybe it moved yeah. to the middle. Was it in the corner at one point, and it moved into the middle? 
Well, the, the stage ran from the back all the way around and we had sofas and things all down one yeah. side. So we put the bands at the front and we tended to move these sofas back because what happened, well, what happened was, like you say, Guangzhou is a very uh, smaller city. So uh, we, we had a, a captive audience, put it that way. We, we had no real competition in any real sense. So everybody would come to the bar and there was no live music at that time. So that was another draw. So we would get huge crowds come through that place, like fire hazardy type crowds. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're, these crowds are a bit more acceptable in Asian countries regarding their laws than they are in the West. Absolutely. Your, your safety is your responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's fine. We can squeeze another few in. It's all right. You know? Yeah, well, we, we would get turnover as well because we would start early. So you would have an early crowd and they would come for the drinks and then the band would start and then that crowd would move out and then the, the, the live music crowd would move in and after that because there's no closing time I could close whenever I wanted we would run back into kind of a nightclub situation after that which never failed to turn into a sing-song towards the end <laughs> for four or five o'clock in the morning it was, it was fantastic but it was uh, it was a long weekend if you were working it it was doing 60 70 hour weeks regularly like no and of course, it on top of this, you're, you're working yourself, right? You're actually holding yeah, a full-time job. Yeah, my day job was teaching. Uh, I went through the ranks from, from uh, you know, kindergarten all the way up. I ended up teaching the university down there. So, um, yeah, it was a full-time, full-time job. I'll say it twice. <laughs> but it, I, I, it was great, and I loved it. I, I, I won't say a bad word. It was, it was fantastic. But uh, you, you guys, when you guys came down and played, like as bands, you, you only saw really the Saturday night madness that, that was Speakeasy at that time. But, you know, we opened from Thursday to Sunday. So you had quiet nights, followed by sport nights, you know, event nights. We used to do um, quizzes and stuff like that. Quizzes, uh, themed nights every so often. Anytime you had an idea, you just put it into effect and the crowd turned out. It was. It's quite an amazing community when you think back on it that uh, because they would return and return every time whatever we got into they, they made it happen you had willing participants yeah so like the, the whole music thing started I remember with uh, Dave Martin had his own band it started off with him and his guitar and then he found other people to play with him I remember uh, uh, Dan Lloyd fantastic drummer but he was also a bassist he was a singer he could you know, you can play everything. Depressing how talented he was. <laughs> First St. Patrick's Day, a band called the GJ Band came down. I don't know if you remember them. They, the, they were uh, from the middle of the country, I think, though. I think they were uh, from Jungju. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they, they came down for Fatty's Night, started at about nine o'clock, and at a half three in the morning, they were still playing, and I was deaf and drunk and tired. And I was like, dude, like, how, how many more songs have you got? And he said, 13. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, Perfect. no. Pick your best five, because I ain't staying up that late. <laughs> well, they were fantastic. That's, it was cover bands mainly at that time, you know? So the, the crowd pleasers. Right, it gets everybody going. You don't really need to have to particularly... You just have to have a good wide range of songs for folk to get into and a bit of dancing and having a good time in that. Exactly right. So after a long day with 300 <laughs> kids or whatever you've been doing, it's, uh, yeah, you've got to let off some steam. Eh? Yeah, they, they had a large repertoire <laughs> to put it that way speaking of which though Derek what about some of, I mean these are some of the the positive aspects of 
of what mm. you did and so what were some of the we, we kind of turn that around and look at some of the more were there red tape issues where there you know what were some of the more kind of negative aspects mm. of running a running a business and running a bar like this well over there i mean i suppose the biggest negative is you you didn't have a full grasp of the language you, you know you, you were you were reliant on on help because you you couldn't interact with people in an office to get through the red tape in english now in seoul i think it was slightly different because there, there was english was much more widespread but when, when i was in 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 guangzhou at, at, originally you know people would stop and point at you in the street as being a foreigner you know mm -hmm. look at the foreigner and they, so you you were very unusual Sorry, was that? Let, let's call it exotic, you know, exotic yes. and white, you know, windswept and well, I don't mean, I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like ooh, foreigner. I mean, no, no, like, it's just ooh. It, yeah, exactly. It's just <laughs> you're like oh, what? It, what? what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we would uh, we always joked about uh, making t-shirts <laughs> with um, you know if if you can read this, it's too late to say hello on the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I interrupted you. You were saying sorry. Yes, sorry. Because they they were um, very very friendly. I, I'm not trying to say it was negative in any way, but it, it was no. difficult to be taken seriously in in the red tape issues. But like I said, uh, Michael Sinding had most of that hard work done because he had opened the bar. But it was basically a turnkey for me. But the issues that I would have would be with, let's say, if you needed something fixed, uh, and getting it fixed in the way that I wanted it fixed, rather than the way that he wanted to do it. <laughs> right you know which would be the quickest cheapest simplest way and i was like no I, I want it done this way so that it's going to last you know five six years but whatever it was it was that and um really dealing with the um the odd the dr drunk adishi that would come in and adishi means older male we never had any problems with the younger crowd or 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 you know uh, females it was usually the a cluster of three or four old Korean guys who had heard about the bar and wanted to come in and experience it, but wanted the Korean table service, the Korean kowtow, the right. bowing, and the you know, the, they wanted the Korean culture to be still part of this foreign experience. And when they didn't get it, because we didn't do table service, you came up to the bar and you asked. Sometimes you would have some issues with them. Beyond that, though, nothing really that bad. I mean, the police were quite standoffish as long as we dealt with our own problems ourselves they didn't really didn't really give us any issues at all I, that i can remember over there though you'll find this in asia it's a lot easier to set up a business than it is here there's a lot less red tape you know you put in your money you make your rent you carry on you you you, you do your business whereas over here it's kind of a nanny state they, they want they want to know everything about you they want to know the, you know, the standards <laughs> you know all of these things so in a sense, setting up a business over there was much easier than it would be over here. It's you know, less it, it restrictive. Very much so. Very much so. Like I said, I, I would only hire Korean staff because I felt like um, we, would, we would always hire uh, students out of university. They were learning English, learning a trade and getting some money at the same time. Right. I don't know whether that helped or not, but we always had a, a, you know, a Korean speaker on hand who could interact with these issues as they came up you know plus i mean i don't want to say that i didn't learn any korean at all but i kept it to myself a lot so that i could listen to what they were saying to each other you know so let's say two two guys would come in and with an issue so they, they would they would be talking in korean to each other and i would be able to hear it and understand it without them knowing it 
and it gave me a leg up on all negotiations. So that, that's how I used to run it. Keep your cards close to your chest, eh? Yeah, but for red tape and stuff, I found it quite, quite easy, really, to be honest. Uh, you got your bar license, paid your taxes, that was it. There was nothing really, no bigger issues than that. Like I said, uh, you know, you're running a bar late night with uh, expats, you're always going to have some aggro. Yeah, a little, bit, a little bit rowdier from time to time, yeah. Yeah, but again, like I said, the community, we, we the, the core locals would generally step in and, and separate with, with uh, look, lads, this is where we want to come. Don't ruin this for everybody. And nine times out of ten, that would take care of it. You know, I think I, I called the police maybe twice, and they were both outside the door issues. They, they had nothing to do with me. They were, they were um, out on the street uh, issues. that They might have left the bar. Right. But now they were in the public space. Rather than going out causing a kerfuffle out in the street, I, I let the police deal with that. But there were, there were very few far between. I remember one guy declared war on me. <laughs> it's a bit harsh, isn't it? <laughs> there, he, he was not uh, fully compass mentis, I think, at the time. But uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 that was a, a good story for a different time. <laughs> he was from Scotland as well. Oh, yeah, well, I rest my case, Derek, you know, what can I say? You've got me there, brother. It wasn't me, right? So it was... No, I know it wasn't you. Derek, what advice would you give to someone then? Let's just say there's someone already in in your shoes, as it were, of course, at a different mm. time, and uh, they're, they're thinking about either going, teaching English abroad. This is a, many people's way into to living in another country or becoming an expat. And I guess the second part of that is what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of starting their own business like this? Well, first off, I would say absolutely, definitely go travel. There's no question that is good for you. It, it, it opens your mind and it teaches you who you are and it, and it, uh, it, it teaches you a, a sort of a, a pause because you don't know where you are. You, you, you're not sure what your actions are going to end up as. And I, I think it makes you pause and think about things a little bit deeper before you, you know, you, you jump in or, or cause trouble or, or, or do the things that you would get away with in your own neighborhood. But traveling to me was an absolute life essential. Uh, it, it, I, I can't advise people enough to go travel. But there's a difference between traveling and living in a place. You know, you can't see yourself as a tourist. You have to see yourself as one of the locals. Do as they do, you know, when in Rome, that sort of thing. You get a much deeper experience of a place if you go and meet people and hang out with them and be open to their questions. Right, and it's really about integrating. the way they see, yeah. So that, that number one is, is go do it. Take a year off from work. Work will always be there. You know, take a year off from college, whatever it is, but go and travel. Go to someplace obscure. The more obscure, the better. Now, I would, I'll, I'll leave that with the people to figure out for themselves <laughs> right. what obscure is. Because obscure is different to all to Exactly, yeah. I mean, it might you know, be Ibiza, it might be Kenya, whatever. It's... Yeah, but I mean, if, if you've already been to Australia, then, you know, New Zealand isn't going to be that much of a change for you. You know what I mean? So, so if, you know, yeah, sure, go see it. But 
that's why one of the reasons that we picked Korea was that it was kind of odd. It was kind of weird. It was obscure. I didn't really know much about it. And I was kind of curious. And, um, you know, it was a life-changing event for me because I spent 17 years there. Yeah, you and I both. Yeah. So when you think back 17 years, my God, that's an awful long time. But when you're doing it, if you're having fun, if you're doing, if you're working, you don't notice the time going by. You know, so it's, it's, it's well worth doing. As for uh, opening a business, I mean, um, uh, all business owners will say this at, at the beginning is uh, you cannot, cannot be afraid of putting in the hours. That, that's really all it is. If, if, you, if you want to get some business up and off the ground, it's going to take time and it's going to take effort. And you, and you are going to miss out on, you know, weekends with the lads down at the beach or, you, you know, you're, you're going to miss those things. But in the long run, you're, you're getting what you want, which is your business. Because once the business is up and running and known and, and sort of rolling by itself, that's when you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they don't know what they're getting into. And they're, uh, particularly if they have partners and things where you go, where you're going to be gone at work. You know, it's the cliche, the man's always at work and the wife is complaining that you're never at home. You know, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. But uh, if you're not willing to do that, then um, it's just, it's, it, it, will not, it will not happen. Because like, I, I would go, I was working Thursday to Sunday in the bar, obviously six o'clock to, well, whenever, it could mm -hmm. be any time. <laughs> and, and doing the, the full-time teaching during the day. So like I said, I'd be doing between 60 and 80 hours per week, every week. 10 years of that, you know? You, 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 get good holidays, but uh, even on holidays, I'd get phone calls from the bar going, you know, something's busted, how do I fix this? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And um, the other thing is uh, hire good staff. Good staff make your life so much easier. Don't be afraid to fire them. You know, you, you, you are the boss. Uh, I remember uh, I had a really good bar manager, I had several good bar managers, you remember Tony? Uh, yeah. Tony Warren mm -hmm. and uh, Kyle, and Dave. Uh, you know, I, I picked the bar managers very well, guys I trusted. And, you know, let, let them have authority, but not overall authority. I, I still maintained, I got to be called for big decisions, that sort of thing. But uh, having, a good, having a good manager in any situation is, is, is vital. And the staff, has to, the staff have to trust you. If they don't, if they don't like you, they're not going to work for you. <laughs> right. doesn't last too long. And when I say fire, uh, I mean that in two ways. You, you get rid of the, the, the people who aren't doing their job, so to speak. But there are other people then that kind of get into a rush and they, they stay working too long, especially in a bar like mine, like in a bar, sorry. Uh, a, a bartending work is transient and it should be. So I, I kind of pushed people out the door a little bit from time to time going, you know, you, you've done this now, it's, it's time for you to move up, progress your career because th this is temporary. A few of the girls that were working there, I, I would kind of nudge, you know, your English is perfect now. It's, it's time to focus on your studies, get your degree, go get a real job. You know, I, I cared for my staff, really, probably what it was, more than anything else. And it was time to go, go. And you're always welcome back. If you need my help, you need a part-time job, time time, come back. But it's time to move on. I think they, I, I, I hope they appreciated the, the sort of, I don't know what you call it, not fatherly, but uncle, uncle-ly advice, <laughs> you know. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, th those would be the two things that I would say. I mean, I think a lot, of, obviously a lot's changed since 2000, 2006, uh, excuse me, 2002. Mm. So when you first arrived until the present day, because I don't know what Kwangju was like when you left. Was there more expats than you 
when you first arrived or did you see a, a big change in the place? There was, yes, I mean, there was a lot more expats. Yeah, we, we, we would, you would go through phases. Um, one, one year you would have just buckets and buckets of Canadians for some reason. And then, and then the next year it would be Australians. And then, you know, the next year it would be Americans. Or it, it went with sort of waves. And it's, it's word of mouth. You know, one person, same as us. One person goes, had a great time, goes back, tells their friends, the following year, three of them are all. <laughs> you know, that's tended to be what happened, you know. I mean, that's what happened with us. A, a friend of mine had, had been in Korea, said it was good, and myself and Richie went. So it was, you know, one went and then there were three. <laughs> and it kind of snowballs like that. Yeah, like I said, at, at, the beginning of the, at the beginning in 2002, early on, foreigners were far, you know, few, few and far between. Uh, we, we were a novelty. And then towards the end, it was, uh, I don't know how many there were, maybe two or 3,000, two or 3,000 foreigners in Guangzhou, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it was a way more than, you know, earlier. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, when I got there, there was no Burger King, there was no McDonald's, there was no Western food. You, you, you ate Korean food and loved it. You know, it was fantastic food. It was really good and cheap. You, know? you can't really argue with that one, can you? It's, uh, you oh, know, it's fantastic. I mean, yeah. it, look, it might look a little different when you first see it, or it definitely smells a bit different, but you just got you just got to go with it, you know? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we didn't know how to use chopsticks when we went over, so we, we, we sat down. <laughs> I thought it was just me, out. but no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We threw out the forks. We got rid of the forks out of the house so that we couldn't use them, so we learned to use chopsticks. But I used to, we used to have cramps across your hand, like you'd be chasing this, of, you'd chasing this piece of meat around the around those big kind of round plates that you would grill it in and all that. Right? Exactly, good yeah. But like we used to meet up, ten or twelve of us would meet up for dinner, uh, you know, every Friday or Saturday or whatever. You know, ten or twelve people out for a meal, and it would cost you, you know, a fiver, a tenner. When you come back, you have know, a meal cost you a hundred euros, and you're like, <laughs> I'm still where hungry. Were you? What is this chef? What is this chef living in? What? Where, where is he living? I want to see his house. Uh, yeah. I know, I know it's not as simple as that, but that's the kind of stupid thoughts you have. But yeah, yeah towards the end then, uh, you know, it's a fully functional, ultra-modern first world place. And it's amazed how quickly it happened, how quickly they overtook the world in broadband, in connectivity, phones, every single, what is it, 99% connectivity with, with phones? Yeah, the only people who don't have phones are the ones too young to use them. <laughs> I know you I mean, go to the top amazing, of a mountain. Yeah. What is it they say? You can go to the top of a mountain or the bottom of the ocean. You'll still get a a four G or five G signal. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's quite it's quite the place. Uh, would you say? I give you a last question, Derek. Would mm -hmm. you say like going to a, one of the smaller cities outside of the capital Seoul is the right thing for everyone? Or you know, this is a kind of heads or tails moment or a sliding doors moment. Do you? A lot of people are attracted to go to the big city where there's just safety numbers or whatever you want to call it. Or mm. do you do you hedge your bets and go somewhere, not off the beaten path, but, you know, one of the smaller cities? I mean, for me, it was not really a choice. I, I was going to one of the smaller cities because just the thought of 15 million people living in one place, yeah, just, I, I couldn't comprehend it. I couldn't get my head around it because, I, like, I'm from Galway, it's the... Little, little, you'd probably you know, call it a town, really. It's 200,000 people in the west coast of Ireland. So anything kind of big was big. You know what I mean? So go, going to a smaller place for me was way, way better. Because um, I, I'll tell you how I felt about it, right? Because when, um, when Dave Martin used to go up and down to 
sold to pick up these bands to, to bring into Guangzhou. When he left, that sort of job rolled down to me. And I went up to Seoul a few times and I couldn't make friends. Um, I, I found it very anonymous. Uh, I found it um, off-putting. Uh, people were very aloof. They, they, they weren't interested in, in talking to you because yeah. we're just one of this, you know, millions of people. Um, whereas, and the bar became known for this, um, we, we have, we, it's actually written above the door or, or on the wall as you walk in, it says, you'll never drink alone. It, it was a much more friendly atmosphere. Uh, we never left anybody sitting alone unless they wanted to be. And, and you, <laughs> you knew instantly who wanted to be left alone. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make take that very clear. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what, Derek, we've actually come, we've come this far in the episode. It's been fantastic. It's been great talking to you. What was the bar called? <laughs> the bar was called Speakeasy. It's just when you said that there, I thought, yeah, we've done all this. And uh, yeah, there we go. So Yeah, Speakeasy. And it is still there. It's, it's, it's still going. It's uh, run now by, um, well, one of them's Australian and, and one of them is torn between whether he's Australian and British. But I think he's really Australian. Like I said, two, two sides of the same coin. But <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, so the, the bar is still going and it's, and it's still, uh, still rocking and rolling. They still get live music. It's... Uh, it, it still is the central hub for you know foreigners to go and, and hang out. I mean, there are other places that have opened since, but uh, yeah, yeah. But it, it's down in the center of Guangzhou. You can you can find it on Google pretty easy. It's it's, it's not hard to find. And uh, it, it's not a uh, let's say a glamorous place. It never was, and it never it never claimed to be, and never intended to be. But it is very homely. It, it feels like it feels lived in. It it feels like this is a place where you know history has happened. You know. It, a lot, a lot of sort of little pictures and old band pictures and you know it, it looks lived in which i loved very rustic people, other people you know not so much they they want the uh, the neon lights and the uh, you know the, the from memory there wasn't many lights when the bands were playing it was quite quite dark <laughs> which yeah. is fine I mean, it, was, it was all right it was all right by me but i know i know exactly what you mean about the ne- there's enough neon light in south korea without having any more Absolutely, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the place is still gone. Um, I, I, um, I, I don't interact all that much anymore. I, you do kind of, because I, I left, but I was still living there. You know, I sold the bar, but I was still in Guangzhou. So I would still turn up at the weekends and have beers and stuff. But you, you have that, uh, you know, Alex Ferguson sitting in the stand feeling a little <laughs> bit, you know. So I wanted to just remove and let, let the lads do whatever they were going to do. Let them let them make their own history in the place. Exactly, yeah. Which they've achieved several times over. Excellent. You know, they, they, those guys are the originators now, and then like my name probably pops up every now and again with Dave's and Mike's, whatever, as the as the the grandfathers, yeah, great I'm, grandfathers. And I'm whatever. glad to hear it's still going. And Kwangju is a place, or if you're thinking about, if anyone's listening to this and uh, they're thinking mm. about moving to somewhere, then you know Kwangju or any of these other cities, Daegu or Daejeon or Jeonju or whatever it is. Provincial cities, yeah. let's call them that. You know, they, they're definitely worth your time if you're the kind of person who, okay, you, you might feel a wee bit lost, but in the, when you meet other people in a smaller community, it becomes a bigger community by that action. But just by saying that, you, you, you might feel a wee bit lost. Absolutely, but that's where you find yourself to, to go it's, fully cliche on it. Right. But uh, like, I, I remember a story, uh, there was a guy, a good friend of mine now, uh, he, he had actually been living in Guangzhou for nearly six weeks, I think, and hadn't met a single foreign person. And it just so happened that one night we were in a bar 
uh, let's say that we wouldn't normally frequent, but wouldn't avoid for any reason, but mm -hmm. just happened to wander in there. And his face turned around and he was like, oh, people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, instantly just became one of the lads. But if you're, if you're, if you're open to it, you'll, you'll land on your feet. And if you don't, move. If you, if you get a job and you don't like it, just change it, get a different job. I mean, you can still be the I, I know that sounds very simple thing. and basic, but it's true. Make yourself happy. Exactly. And I think for a lot of people in my experience, uh, people have their shelf life, if you want to call it that, in a, in a, as an expat. And for what's yeah. for me and you, we, we, I, coincidentally, we stayed the same amount of time. Uh, but for some other people, it might just be one or two years and then they've, they've done it, they've experienced it. Maybe they stayed that second year because they met so many good people the first year, but they yeah. know they probably couldn't do any more. Yeah. In this, yeah. Or, or for whatever them, reason. Yeah. And some of them were, um, well, I'm, I'm here specifically to make money. I got debts to pay or, I mean, the, the number of uh, Americans that came in like that in, 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 let's say the later years coming out of college with hundred thousand dollar debts and you're, and you're like, in the 21 or 22. Yeah. You know, that, is like, mad, that is madness. Right. No, I, I have several questions for you. Like how the hell did you run up a hundred thousand in debt? <laughs> That's just tuition. And you're like, what? <laughs> yeah. But you know, it, it, it is a good way to um, to travel, see, and you know it, you do make money. Depending on whether you're uh, there to make money or there to have a good time, depends on how much money you go home with. The truth is, you say, is always somewhere in the middle. Exactly. <laughs> but like I said about opening your mind to these things, see, I, I, I never knew anything about that. I, ne I never knew about that part of the American culture that you, you leave college with these debts and you're lumbered with them for the next 10 years of your life. And it explains a lot about American sort of mentality about doing things. And I use America as an example. I could just easily have a story about Australia or New Zealand or you know, South Africa. They, they all have those, those kind of stories. But, but you become aware of them by meeting these people. And you know, I think you become a broader person, more open to it through traveling, through meeting these people, through you know, all of those things. Like we met, uh, I don't know if you had much interaction with the military when you were there, the American military. A fair bit, yeah. Yeah, we, um, once a year, we would have the whole, what well, seemed like the whole Air Force would arrive down to the bar, take it over for the weekend. And uh, I was dubious at the beginning, but uh, all I had to do was find the, the highest ranked officer in the room and put the responsibility on him. That was it. Problem solved. Because everybody, you know, anything that happened, go to him. <laughs> they generally behave themselves quite well. And a lot of them, are, yeah. uh, we, we had the football team and stuff like that. And we had guys from the military there. And then you... Yeah. Guys who were officers and guys who weren't officers, and yeah, they were all great lads. And they were, when they weren't working or at work, they were just there to enjoy themselves and play football or play music or whatever it was they were doing. Indeed, and, and they're, they're like a nationality all to themselves. And even within the branches, they're like nationalities all to themselves. And you know, you, you you've got good people and, and absolute assholes in every <laughs> group. So nice ones. Uh, exactly. I, I was loath to tar the whole lot of them with one brush, you know, but um, there were definitely assholes there, but, but genuinely good people as well. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, that's the way to do it. When you, you find out who's the, the highest rank there, that's the way it works. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, went, I went to a party. There was a guy who played for the football team and he got promoted from captain to lieutenant or lieutenant to captain. I don't even know which way it works, but he got promoted anyway. And the way they work it out is, the difference in salary he would make for the year is what you have to put behind the bar. All oh, right. So let's wow. just say he got 
two grand, right? Whatever his pay yeah. grade went up two grand. That's what you had to put behind the bar. Oh, so he, he asked me to organize. He asked me to organize it from in, in Gecko's one night. So that, that was quite an easy yeah. party to organize because I went in to the <laughs> guy from Gecko's and said, "Yeah, well, I can't remember much. It was maybe it was a grand, whatever it was. It was a yeah. it was a good session. Let's put it that way." Yeah, yeah. And he was well, like, we them oh, come I, think, I think we can, yeah. we don't usually do that, but I think we can do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Money talks. Yeah, well, we had, uh, uh, they used to come down. And, but the thing about the military was that because they got all of their food and all of their, you know, everything through the military, they, they never really needed for anything. Let's put it that way. So uh, when they would come to the bar, and I found it very difficult. That was one thing I should have mentioned. It was quite difficult to get the uh, broad selection of alcohol that expats would want coming from different countries. You know, they, they would want these vodkas and these whiskeys. I was like, they just don't import it. I, I can't get that. It's not like I'm not getting it. I just, I physically can't. <laughs> you can, we don't have it, right? It's just not. And even if it. they did come in, they would go to Seoul. We, we were far, far down the food chain, down in, down in Guangzhou to get <laughs> these things. But the military would come in and he would, and he said, um, can we get this for the party? And, come in? and I was like, no, sorry, no, sorry. And he went, well, can I bring it? And I kind of went, what? And he went, well, if I, I, I can get it through the military can i can i bring these bottles down we'll put them behind the bar and we can serve them out and i was like okay you know all right i'll i'll, I'll calculate you know do the maths on whatever it is you give me the price list and he was like no 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 no. i'll just give them to you and you sell them back uh, i said okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's easy no problem <laughs> Generally there for a good time, and I think that's uh, that's as good a note to to leave it. Derek, man, thanks a lot. It's been a great uh, great catching up with you. Alright, it's all, Craig. Absolutely enjoyed it. Enjoy the rest of your day, mate. You too, man. Good luck. Cheers. Bye, bye, bye. You can follow "Can't Find My Way Home" on Anchor.fm. Simply search for can't find my way home you can find us on instagram at can't.findmywayhome that dot makes all the difference at facebook under the name at expat music pod you can find us on spotify apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts from we'll be there there's also a youtube page videos playlists all that good stuff recommended by our guests we put them there thanks for listening this is craig i'll see you on the next one cheers